spin a mate out or a golf ball we're chasing the mighty Murray Cox. Absolutely another cracking show we're looking forward to. It. We're going to chat sharks a little later on. Also check in with one of the most important people in the industry we think and that's the VMR. Oh definitely. Absolutely. We've got story of the week, but right now, you're right, we are going to the mighty Murray. The Murray is famous for one thing. Big Murray Cod spider, spinnerbaits, golf balls, that's right. Mighty Murray Cod, the iconic freshwater fish of Australia. I thought it was all about the houseboats. Now, this is probably the most iconic Australian freshwater fish, I reckon, well, I'm going to say in the world, but it's in Australia, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. They're not everywhere else, are they? So, yeah, I've never caught one, and this is why we're going over to Jack. Yeah, well, Jack from uh, Lake Mawala Sports Fishing in, well, Lake Mawala, if you want to know where it is, it's actually kind of that uh, northeast Victoria, downstream from Albury. Yeah, but on the Murray. On the Murray. The mighty Murray. The mighty Murray, absolutely. Jack, how are we? Yeah, good, thanks. It's good to have me on. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Bloody oath. We need an expert because I've never caught one and I can tell you spiders never caught one. Yeah, well, they're a bit different up your way. You probably don't get quite as many, but yeah, down here they're a really popular fish that everyone sort of chases in the fresh water. Jack, why do you think they are so popular? Oh, I think that they're just so iconic, to like especially around here in the Murray-Darling Basin. They're a pretty special fish. They got overfished a lot in the early years. Uh, and now they've sort of come back, they've bounced back, and a lot of people just catch them and let them grow. But I think it's probably just because they grow so big. That's probably and, one of the major draw cards, I reckon. And that's what I want to know. What is your biggest Murray cod? The biggest one that I've caught is a metre 31. Whoa! <laughs> How many kilo would that be, Jack? What, 30 kilo? Uh, yeah, probably around that. They can grow to sort of like well over 100 pounds, but... Wow. Um, yeah, the fish that we get in my whale, they're not quite as fat as some other lakes, but, yeah, they still grow massive. For people out there who look at, you know, Lake Mawala, like it's a, it's a fun fishing destination because there's a lot of debris, there's a lot of trees. It's an actual art form. Like it's a real, like it's a real battle between you and the fish. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, yeah, my whaler was made as sort of like a recreational dam for, yeah, like the fishing and the skiing as well as for irrigation. So there's a lot of standing trees in it uh, and that gives, yeah, good habitat for the cod. So it's sort of pretty unique destination regarding that. Now, one thing I want to know is obviously I'm a flathead fisherman, so I trawl around, I just have a beer and just hope for the best. But with Murray Cod, it's a bit different. Do you have to sound them out? Like, are you looking for them on your sounder side scan amongst the structure? Are you casting to that Pacific spot where you're sounding out? Or are you just chucking at any tree like I wouldn't hope for the best? Yeah, yeah, no, you can definitely just trawl, trawl around in between the trees, just throw a rod in and trawl like a diving hard body lure. Oh, yeah. Just dive stand to a... A sort of good depth, sort of two to three metres down. And, yeah, you can put the feet up and trawl in between the trees and hope that you run over one and you <laughs> your lure. Yeah, that's about my style. <laughs> yeah, so, yep. so there's either you can go hard body, soft body, or, of course, bait. But isn't there some us- yeah, oh, unusual... Different, no, well, spinner di- baits and, and, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm talking- cod gobblers and there's so many. No, but I'm talking yeah, about yeah. even just cube cheese. 
Get yeah, out. a lot of people bait fish with cheese or even chicken and that sort of thing. <laughs> really? I've heard them caught on dim sims and bits oh! of sausages and all sorts. Oh, that you, a good bait of demo. I, I never waste a piece of dim sim on a fish. Wow. <laughs> you'd never take a bag of dimos out with spider. You'd be eating them raw. <laughs> That's right. You'd catch him for sure. <laughs> Oh, what a clad dim sim. So it'd, be, it'd be anything, wouldn't it? So even live, yeah. live yabbies would be one of probably the most best bait, yeah. wouldn't they? Yeah, live yabbies, are, they're always the go. They're a, they're a good bait. But a lot of the stuff that we do, especially on the charters, is all lure fishing. So we do a lot of lure casting yep. more than trawling. Um, and we'll use, yeah, like little spinner baits, those hard-body diving lures. Swim baits are a real popular one. They just look like a real fish swimming through the water. Yeah. And we catch a lot of our bigger fish on the swim baits. I've seen them. Now, I went to a lure expo not that long ago, and i seen in the Murray Cod section, they got lures like snakes. They got lures shaped like budrigars. They got lures. Yeah. yeah, budrigar lures. So what? You're saying like the Murray Cod's Murray... just a pig of the sea. Well, it I, just eats anything. I can imagine, and Jack might help me here, that when the budgies are prolific and they're breeding and they're feeding or whatever they do around the lakes, the Murray Cod come and suck them off the top. Oh, Is that just... right? Yeah. Yep. So they can <laughs> be pretty aggressive they eat lots of stuff like we catch some big ones here and they cough up a mouthful of feathers so they'd be eating baby ducks and baby swans and half the time it's whatever falls in the water they'll be eating if they're hungry enough I'll tell you one thing if we find some gray hairs come out of a cod's mouth we know spiders falling in the drink <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll call him the gangly lure <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> are they easy to, why are they so hard to catch if they just eat anything well, they they don't eat all the time, so they might just sit on a sit on a tree for a little while and don't eat anything, and then all of a sudden, when they come on, it's it's anything that fits in their mouth's fair game. Wow! Wow! Well, imagine one coughing up a dim sims <laughs> with the shortage yeah. of the spider and be putting that straight back in the esky, I reckon. When I'm filleting, right. you know, I go, oh, hang on, this is this is too <laughs> cool. <laughs> <laughs> so we we actually catch a lot here that have golf balls in them as well wow. because they eat eat eggs and there's a lot of golf courses here and people hit golf balls in the lake and all that sort of stuff and they must eat them thinking they're eggs yeah. and then they yeah they eventually cough them up but sometimes you'll feel them in their belly. Imagine going in a fishing comp. And you had to weigh in a Murray Cod and you pulled 10 golf. But you'd be like that bike over in America. You'd yeah. think you're cheating, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, do you have, uh, they'll have a comp down there every year, wouldn't they? Yeah, they have a lot of comps here, actually. Yeah. A lot yeah. of them don't go by the weight because a lot of the time it's just length and yeah. then they just let them go. So they're not damaging the fish by weighing oh, them up yeah. by their Keep mouth it sustainable. Sort of yeah, yeah. So a few people do keep the cod to eat, but. Down here, a lot of it's all just catch and release, and everyone tries to catch that meat of fish. Yep. And then, yeah, and you have to let them go anyway now. Awesome. We're talking to Jack from uh, Lake Mawala Sports Fishing. Now, Jack, now you said they actually cook the Murray Cod. How would you have it? What is your ultimate way how you'd like it served up? Yeah, I haven't, I haven't kept one myself for about 15 years, I reckon, but a lot of people just fill them. Yep. Um, and then crumb them or something like that. Otherwise, you can c- cook them into uh, cutlets. They cut them sort of vertically and have a big cutlet, and you can put them in the oven Ooh. and put a bit of honey on them or something. Oh, That's a Murray Cod cutlet with a great northern beside it. What a dinner. <laughs> I mean, we, should, we shouldn't advertise. Are they good eating, but, like, uh, like, I mean. Uh, yeah, they're pretty good. Like, I don't mind them, but I'd rather, catch, like, yeah, just catch them and let them go. 
and if we wanted to keep a feed of fish, we'd probably try and catch a redfin or something, like an introduced fish, but they taste awesome. So we'd, yeah, yeah and keep them a, more than the cod. And it's a great part of the world too because uh, fresh water, um, you know, it's beautiful out there. You can ski in the morning as the sun's coming up, up and uh, then you fish during the day or morning and night and then you get a party pontoon and just cruise the river and you can go from one side to the other. You can actually get picked up from the pub and then come back to the caravan park by party pontoon. How cool is yeah, that? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, a lot of that's the time living. we fish early in the morning and later in the evening and then, yeah, through the day a lot of people get on the barbie boats and have a beer and a barbecue and cruise around the lake through the heat of the day. Sounds awesome. Hey, Jack, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, a great insight into the Murray Cod, one of the most... Uh, iconic. Iconic fish outside of Barramundi. They're the two you want to catch in Australia. Definitely. And you do it for all living. So thanks for joining yep. us. That's all right. No worries. Thanks for having me on. Good on you, Jack. Over. Well, Herb, it's time for... Ask me, Herb, and Heidi from Queensland is joining us right now. Heidi, what is your question for Herb? Yeah, g'day, Herb. G'day, Look, Heidi. I just want to know, I've been um, fishing for a long time now, and I've noticed um, that I'm getting more sharks taking my catch. Are there are there more sharks in the water? What's going on? Before we uh, let you go, Heidi, and uh, Herb answer that question, is that just an excuse? What? No. Oh, I caught the biggest fish, but, I but know, a got, shark got it. Ah, got <laughs> uh, look, thanks for your call. Now, this is a great question. I think across Australia, there are more and more sharks that are absolutely running. They're breeding like flies Why? on cow Why poo. is there so many? Well, back in the seventies and eighties, we took them. We took the fins. We we sold them overseas. We ate the trunks. A lot of them became great whites are protected, you know, uh, size limits came in. So a lot of stuff came in to protect sharks because they were declining. And whales also got taken out of the equation. So there's more and more whales, right? So great whites follow whales because they eat the carbs. It's a good feed for them. So we've had a few great white attacks up the East Coast and Western Australia. Bull sharks are, are becoming more and more common around summertime. That's their breeding time. They are in the rivers all around Australia. There was an attack not long ago in Western I, Australia. I saw guys just throwing in a um, a normal fishing net to get a couple of liveys. Yep. Caught a bull shark. There you go. Off the bank. There you go. Not not in a boat, Herbert. No, that's right. Off the bank. I know. In a cast net. Yes. So And that was probably a little shark, two or three feet. Oh, Sharks are shark in my book. That's right. They've all got teeth. They all bite. Now, they probably don't mean to bite humans, obviously, because their main food source is fish. But if you were driving down the road and a Big Mac came past your window, you'd grab it and eat it, wouldn't you? Oh, 100%. There you go. So I'd be, I'd be knee-deep into that Big Mac. There you go. I mean, back when I was a young fella, I didn't see a lot of bull sharks in the river. We swam in canals all day long into well, the used, night. They used to ski in all these canals. Uh, and they well, still do. Yeah, but you're... so. Why is it then? What should they need to do to get rid of a lot of the shark population? I remember um, it was one of our early podcasts. Yep. And we spoke to old mate out there at uh, King Ash Bay. Yep. And he said when they used to cull the crocodiles, they will safe to swim. Yep. They would swim you know, anywhere around that area because yep. they are able to control them. That's right. And they, were, they weren't controlled in other areas, but where they were, because they're very territorial, they knew where they could swim and couldn't. That's exactly okay, right. Now, because they can't cull them, they're saying that it's a nightmare. You don't swim anywhere in the Northern Territory. 
Well, that's right. Yeah, crocs are become more prevalent. But we are on sharks here. I know that, but is that exactly <laughs> the same as sharks? Yes, I believe so. We were taking sharks out for fin, you know, sending the fins off, trunks, eating flake, whatever else. Now, there was a lot of bad stuff that happened back then. We won't go into that. But definitely no one is, is, is taking the sharks out of the equation. We've got scientists telling us we can't catch mackerel, we can't catch certain fish, we have closures on all fish, fin fish, but sharks are left alone. So all fishermen are getting their catches eaten, line fishermen are having more trouble. You, you see a mackerel fisherman on the east coast of Australia, in Queensland there, and he's losing probably five or six mackerel out of ten to okay. sharks. So it's a wasted commodity. Okay then, can I ask then, what did, like, I know that down southern states they use shark as flake, Yes. In the fish and chips. That's correct. Can you eat bull shark? Yeah, definitely. I believe that we should have one year where line fishermen, pro fishermen and all that sort of stuff, we stop taking fin fish for a year. So your normal fish, pearl, perch, red emperor, coral trout, whatever. For a year. One year. And they can go and catch shark. We can send the fins over. They get money for that. We sell the trunks to the local fish and chip shop. We all eat flake for you. Cheap fish and chips, five bucks fish and chips, a bit of flake, battered, crumbed. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. But for one year, we take out the sharks, let the pro fishermen do their thing on the sharks, and then that gives the fish one year to rejuvenate, yep. multiply. The sharks then will thin out a bit, and then when the line fishermen go back a year later, they can then take their fin fish and not lose so many to sharks. So it'll be like their little bingo night. It will be bingo <laughs> night. They'll love it, won't yeah, they? definitely. I think it's a great idea. We've got scientists telling us when we can and can't fish for certain fish, Spanish mackerel, red emperor, all of the above, but no one's telling us anything about sharks. We've got more attacks than ever. We've, I know, we've got more people. Have you seen sharks out there when you're fishing? Definitely. Heaps of them. I've seen a great white off Fraser Island, and it was three foot between the eyes. And this What's wasn't far off the back of the breakers. And I was going to go in and see if I could get a crayfish because I was a bit intoxicated. And, and a I little thought, bit peckish. Yeah. And I wanted to get a cray off the coffee rock just off the beach north of Nagala up at Fraser Island. We're on a charter boat. Well, this great white came in, and it would have been all about 15 feet, 20 feet deep. And he came right up to our boat. He wasn't scared of us, chasing our fish. And this thing was three foot between the eyes, eyes the size of dinner plates. He was massive. So no crayfish? I didn't get in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're soft. Oh, come on. <laughs> uh, but look, great whites are following up the whales up the east coast and west coast more and more because there's more whales, more breeding whales. I'm not saying go out and take a heap of whales or do this, but surely there's a better management system we can put in place all around Australia if not the world, to actually control the population of sharks. All right, there you go, Heidi. Let's check in with the VMR yes. and talk to him about a couple of tips about crossing the bars around Australia. Today we've got Roger from VMR down at Brunswick Bar, which I think's one of the most notorious bars probably in Australia. G'day, Rog, how are you? Uh, good, thanks, Lee. That's the way. Now, oh, I've got a few questions for you. Now, obviously, I want to know first up, what's the worst thing you've obviously rollovers and that, but you, you've seen a few rollovers on that bar. You, you've seen some d destruction, I, I would say. I have, yes. And um, when this happens, Rog, not only does it put the people in the boat in jeopardy, but you've got to send someone out to rescue them. Correct. 
That's right. So that puts them their lives also in jeopardy. So what I want to ask you today, I want your your main tip right now on safety on crossing bars because a lot of people do it, and obviously some people don't know. Do we log in? What do we do? So your your first tip for everyone listening is would be what, Rog? Yeah, log into Marine Rescue. The easiest way is if you download the Marine Rescue app on your mobile phone, search Marine Rescue New South Wales and look for the app. Yep. And uh, you put all the details in. And so POB and all that sort of ETA, POB, all that type of stuff? That's correct, yes. It's the easiest way for boaters too because the, um, there's permanent information yep. and also information on the day. They'd have, hey, Rog, they'd have um, those apps for every state of Australia, wouldn't they? Some of the other states are taking it up. Yep. Yeah, cool. Yeah, it's a great idea. Now, I've crossed a few bars in my time, Roger, but you tell me, I could tell everybody, but you, what is the best tide to cross a bar? Um, it seems to vary a bit. Does it? Yeah, the um, probably high tide is the best. Last of the run-in, that's what I would have said. Yeah. Yeah, because sometimes that swell and the run-out tide can jack up a bit and make it a bit more hairier than it does on the run-in tide, would I be right? That's right. Yeah, right. So there, there you go. So, I mean, all of this leads to safety with other, obviously safety gear. We've got to have EPIRB, V-sheet, flares... Uh, you're supposed to, yes. Yes, so, you know, and you can find all that out on the website too, I'd suppose, Rog. That's correct. Hey, Rog, thank you very much. Thanks for an insight, and uh, we really appreciate your time. Yeah, just on crossing the bars, if you're going out, yep. have a look at it, and if you decide it's safe enough for all your skill to go out, yep. Away you go. Yeah, that's it. Um, Even going down to the bar wall the night before and having a little gander at how and where the swell positioning is can make a difference, can't it? That's right. And coming in, you come in between the waves. Yep. Take your time. Right if you do that, yes. Now, you're a volunteer, Roger, aren't you? That's correct. Now, how awesome is this? Every VMR around the Australia, Spider, are mostly manned by volunteers. So I just want to say thanks, Roger, for your time and your uh, concern of, of safety in Bodies. And uh, you're doing a great job. And to all the volunteers out there in VMR, I take my hats off to you. You do a fantastic job. And anyone wanting to cross a bar, take and heed these, uh, you know, these tips because it is a dangerous place. Yeah, that's right. Uh, also, look at the weather forecast because while you're out there catching plenty of fish, <laughs> yeah. the weather can catch you. Definitely. Oh, good tip. Yep, good tip. It uh, changes. All the time. Yes. Excellent. All right, mate. Well, thanks very much for that quick chat and uh, I hope you have a great day. Stay safe down there and in, uh, enjoy your, your morning down on Brunswick Bar. Okay, thank you. They do a great job, volunteers, don't they? Like, he would have been there for probably a few decades, I would have thought. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's fantastic, isn't it? That, uh, you know, someone, he's done his time in the workforce. Oh, absolutely. He's got nothing to do. So he's volunteering his time 
to go and help other boaties cross the bar safely, navigate them in and out, take records, logs and whatnot. I mean... We need to get the younger generation doing the same. Definitely. Yeah, the old Rog, he's, uh, he's had a good run. He's been doing it a long time. Um, but, you know, the younger people, and we are all a bit nervous about who he's going to volunteer in the future. Definitely. Now, there is a thing, too, at uh, I know down at the Coast Guard, at my local Coast Guard, you can join up as a, as a junior. They will take you out in their boats, show you all there is to know about retrieval, yeah. helping, rescue, and then you become a credited uh, Coast Guard officer. Oh, eh? So there are different things around. Google it. Go down to your if, – if your kid's bored, send him down to Coast Guard every Saturday. Yeah. Let him help others. Absolutely. It might give them something more to do in life and help other people and give them a benefit that they will never, ever learn sitting at home playing Doom of Temple or what Temple <laughs> of Doom or whatever that is. I don't know what it is. You know, you know what I'm getting yeah, at. Yeah, I know what you're getting at. Well, Herbert, it's time for Story of the Week. Yeah. And uh, a great mate of mine's joining me right now. You don't know anything about this story, but uh, no. Milne, how are we? Spider, how you going, buddy? Now, Milne is a superstar uh, football player. Uh, we went on quite a few footy trips, and he's a massive fan of fishing. Do you love fishing, Milne? Uh, negative. I get seasick, and it's the worst experience of my life. I'm not sure where this. I'm not sure. I'm not sure where this story is going because I feel a bit seasick already talking about it. <laughs> Can you talk talk, talk uh, to everybody uh, listening, and also to Herb? The year we went over to Thailand. Well, it uh, brings back a few memories. I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it. It was the year of. 2004 and my favourite destination for uh, my honeymoon, but for footy trips. Been there about five or six times for footy trips and five or six times with the uh, lovely, but uh, this one tops it off. Um, we went to uh, Thailand on a footy trip and about day four, so you can imagine the state that we were all in on uh, this beautiful uh, Thursday morning, I think it was, and it was Troy Swartz's uh, you know, beautiful idea at the time to get 12 of us on this boat that we paid $100 Australian for, which is a bit of a rip-off in Thailand, <laughs> to all go, all go fishing. And I was dead against it because I get seasick, but one in, all in. So everyone decided to go $100, free booze all day, free food, this you know beautiful boat. So we've uh, got up in the morning after a minimal hour's sleep, all rocked up in the foyer, um, all got lifts, which they look after you beautifully in Thailand. And we've done the hour drive to the pier, and rocked up, and there's three of these beautiful boats, and there's one shit boat. And guess what? We ended up on the absolute shittest boat of all time. And I'm just looking at it going, I'm not getting on this. But uh, I got on it, and I was already sick. I, just, I was sick just looking at the water. So oh. jumped on the boat. They uh, fed us all this fried rice cold. The beers were hot, so I just started lying, lying, at the, lying at the top of the boat. And I was just literally... I wasn't sick at the time, but I was just lying there going, this is the worst day of my life. <laughs> um, and then one of the uh, funniest stories of all time happened after that. We, uh, Rui is a mad fisherman and Troy Swartz started to chuck a, chuck a line in and I was just, I was literally sleeping on my back. It was sunny. It was, I was real rough and um, it was literally the worst two hours ever, but Swartz and Rui decided to chuck a line in and they caught a fish and, not, not much was biting and happening, and Bakes decided to scull a couple of singers. 
um, and said, if you catch a fish, I'll eat it. So I'm just on the boat going, no, don't, don't, don't catch one, don't catch one. And obviously, Willie's good at everything. He caught a fish. Next thing, Bakes has got the fish and started to eat the fish live and started chewing on it like uh. sushi. Uh. So I'm, uh, I'm, and this is a true story. Um, yeah. And I'm leaning, of, uh, I'm watching this, and so I started dry reaching. It wasn't great to watch. And I'm, I'm uh, yeah, being sick over the, uh, over the side of the boat. <laughs> Um, and Bakes eating it, going, "Oh, yum, sushi!" <laughs> all the boys, are, all the boys are in tears, and I was literally like spewing from being seasick and you know having a few beers the night before, and oh. I'm leaning over the boat. One of the guys is um, the Thailand guys has come to help me up, and when he's trying to get me, I've kind of just capsized over the boat and like went into the water. I kind of did it on purpose because I was hot and wanted a bit of a swim. And oh. Everyone laughing. So Bakes has uh, decided to jump in. So Bakes has jumped in and saved me. I'm laughing my head off. But as Bakes has jumped in, he swallowed about uh, two litres of Thailand, beautiful water that looks as... Um, uh. like a toilet bowl. If it wasn't blue, it was dark. Uh. He swallowed... He swallowed all that off, jumped back on the boat, and then basically started spewing because he swallowed all this water. So his, um, his power was spewing all over himself. Everyone got up on the boat laughing. But as he's spewing, he forgot to kind of get near the boat. So, you know, 30 seconds later, he's about 10 metres away. 45 seconds later, he's about oh, 30, 40 metres away. So he's getting a bit further away from the boat here. So he starts panicking. Next thing, he's trying to swim and do this doggy paddle back. But he's caught in a rip, so he's about 50 metres away at this time. So the two of the two of the Thai guys have to get a rope. They jump in the water and start swimming out, and Bate has to grab onto this rope, and they're about to pull him back. He's caught him back. He's out of breath, um, and it's still to this day one of the funniest stories of all time. If you've got vision somewhere, it is on vision. Matthew Ricks, uh, old guy. Uh, filmed it at the time, um, and I've never been fishing since. So thanks for bringing it up. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, we all yeah. have one of them stories. <laughs> uh, and it's on Vision. It's, it's on a DVD uh, somewhere at home, so I should get it up. I could actually make a lot of money out of that. It's just the most unbelievable vision of all time. And he ate a live fish out of a Thailand beach that looked like a bottom of a toilet bowl. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, unbelievable oh, thing of all time. But Next time you're up on the coast, I'll get you out, me little tinny. We'll go offshore fishing. <laughs> no, I'm good, Dad. No, I'm good, I'm good, Dad. I'm okay. <laughs> See you, boys. Cheers, Thanks, bye. 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 See you, boys. Bye.